All right, well, I'll say good evening to you, and if you will, uh, turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 30. Go technical here. Exodus chapter 30. What we're going to do is um, tonight is look at the altar of incense, but from a couple of different perspectives, of course, namely mine. Just, we're going to see what the Lord has for us here tonight. Time seems up a little bit. Um, but just turn into Exodus chapter 30. I'm going to read the um, first 10 verses and see what the Lord gives us. Okay, Exodus chapter 30, verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. And a cubit the breadth thereof, and four squares shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. Now, do you guys understand any of that? No. Okay. Verse 3. And that and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. Getting easier, right? Go keep going, come on. And verse 4. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it. By the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it, shalt thou make it. They shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. Verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereupon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. He shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offerings, nor shall he pour drink offerings thereupon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once a year, with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout the generations it is most holy unto the Lord let us pray Heavenly Father Lord Father we just thank you now that you've given us this time together Father we thank you so much for your word Lord as we open your word tonight Lord we need to hear from you because these are your plans Lord these are your words you gave the instructions you gave the order you gave the reasons and you said all these things were to point unto Jesus and Father, now we just would ask, Lord, your blessing be upon our pastor, Lord, as you guide him and lead the way. And for those that are gathered here, Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit has to say. Even now, Father, bless this time. Meet with us as you said you would. And we're waiting, Father, for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have here in Exodus 30 is, as we're going through Exodus, is God has given Moses the blueprint. Now, at this point, he's given them all the furniture, all the furniture being made, the name's going to go on, Aaron's clothing, right down to the little, the smallest, minute detail. But in the course of all this stuff, God said, given an order to build what's called the altar of incense. And in verse 1, as we're going to start seeing this, I'm, we're going to go down there and expand this. It, it's going to make sense to you, David. You're going to see it. It will make sense. Oh, oh, oh. But it starts out in verse 1. You know one of the first things we ever have to know about the Lord? We have to do what he says. Verse 1, and thou shalt make an altar. 
And I would just like starting with that word shall. Shall means just that, you shall. There's not if, there's not might, there's not may, there's not can, you cannot do. And even though, every time I see the word shall, even though it's biblical, it just, I like to digress. Because there was a time when I was negotiating contracts with the union. And we had put in a, I put in a term, I wrote the contract and I didn't catch it. But it was that the district may have to do something. But later in the course of the contract, I realized what our district just said, hey, <laughs> we don't have to. It says may. I said, you're absolutely right. And I gave up triple time pay on holidays so I can change that word from may to shall. Now the district shall, what it was, was calling in for overtime. They didn't have to. Well, that was a mistake. But once it was shell, once that shell went into the union contract, now it had to be done. God uses the word shell over eight times. This is, God is serious. God is serious about prayer. This isn't a mistake. God doesn't make any mistakes. And the beauty I like this, if you read chapter 30, if you want to go on your own and you go to chapter 37, it's almost, it, it's almost like you go like this, but you know what's missing? The only thing is, see, the Lord said the shell, and then later in 37, the workers, they did. They did. And we keep going down this list of everything he said, God here said to do, they did when they made it. Right to the verbatim, right to the corners and the crown. And we'll, we'll see. I'm not going to go into details of making, but what, what this altar is, if you ever see the picture of the temple, we, we all know the banana. Everybody knows that one. Right, the candlesticks. Well, you also have the table of showbread. So when after you come into the temple, after you made your altar, you burnt offering, you came in. Well, first thing is the showbread, which is the bread. That's that's the easy one. Who's the bread? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Then you had to go to the menorah, lights up everything. That's easy too. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Did Jesus ever say I'm not incense? No, but Know how serious Jesus took prayer? Do you remember the only time we know that Jesus is getting violent? What was that for? They were making false prayers in his house. This should be a call to a house of prayer. You made the den of thieves. He was mad. God got mad. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see later how seriously God means, takes prayer. Prayer is not an accident. But right now it starts out with the first, it's a command. It's not a request. We're not asked to pray. We're commanded. Thou shalt make an altar. Now, one of the first things is an altar. We, we generally always use an altar. You know, Abraham built an altar. All in the Old Testament, they were building altars. One thing about an altar is it couldn't be man-made. It had to be natural. It had to be rocks. You couldn't stone it. You couldn't chip it. It had to be natural. Now, these ones are different. But, I mean, when you made your own altar. But, see, in this case, God has a distinct purpose. Thou shalt make an altar to burn incense. It had one purpose, one purpose only. Now, this one, when you came into the temple, you had the veil of the Holy Holy. They curtain like the wall right here. Basically, it'd be right here. Before you go in that holy holies, you had to go through incense. But they offered incense every day. The holy holies, they went in once a year. But it's how simple. You had between the word of God and the light of God, you had to go through prayer. Nobody comes to Jesus except through prayer. Nobody comes to God except through prayer. And this is what this is, a symbolic end of. The only way to God, because before there, now on the other side of the curtain, is the mercy seat. Also the testimony. And that's where God's glory so before we even see that glory, what happened? We got to get past the veil, and later we'll, I'm going to start taking you and show you that veil. Of course, is Jesus, as Hebrews tells us. But in verse one, it just tells us, "Thou shalt make an altar to burn wood upon it," and then he tells us how to make them. With shittim wood, shall thou make them? And God goes into explicit detail, and, and you know, shittim wood, shittim wood, very, very hard, hard, hard wood. So. Strong wood. It's going to, last, going, to, going to last and last and last. But when we take it in this context, spiritualize it, what's wood? What's earth? 
Remember Jesus healed man? He said, I see men walking as trees. We're related to trees. Time and time again, the trees of Lebanon, the cedar trees said to the oak tree. So the Bible uses the analogy of trees of being men. So we see this. We're being men. We're being made to pray. And, and, and just so many times he'll do this. You know something else I found interesting about the word prayer? Try to look it up. You know the first time, when do you think the first time the word prayer is mentioned in the Bible? It's just surprise you. One of those trivial tidbits. You think Genesis, huh? None of the Pentateuch. Judges, Joshua. Oh. Went all the way to Second Chronicles. First time the word prayer, the actual just that word prayer. Now many times didn't prayer in a lot of forms of it. But in this particular term, the word prayer isn't used to David. He was praying when he when he is thanking God for giving them the house. I'm basically gonna let David build a temple. That's the first time prayer was mentioned. And the very last time prayer is mentioned is in Revelation in heaven before the throne. We'll go there later. But just throw that little tidbit in to you. But see, God tells us, thou shalt make an altar. Shall make an altar. Verse 2. It's God's design. See, it's, it's always God's plan. It's not our plan. It's not what we think. It's not what we say. It's not what we do. It's what God says. And then we need to obey. It's his design. So let's look, look at verse 2. And a cubit shall be the length thereof. And in case any of you don't know what a cubit is, basically from here to here, roughly, about a foot and a half, roughly, give or take. Now, there's a lot of the script, but, you know, we just call it 18 inches. That's generally the accepted standard. So you figure a foot and a half, foot and a half, foot and a half. That takes it to the top. It's about this high. Then the crown, the horns and everything come up higher upon it. You know, I wouldn't mind have brought a picture for it, but there, there, there's plenty of pictures. You can find one. But you'll see, basically, it's three foot tall, about a foot and a half wide. So it's very small. It's not, you know, not the biggest in the pulpit. Maybe half the size of this pulpit at best. <coughs> but in verse 2, we see a cubit of length, a cubit of breadth. Four squish shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. Okay, wonderful. We got dimensions. Why would God tell us this? Because God wants it done His way, not ours. And when you design, when you come to prayer, you come to pray the way God says, and you come the way way God wants. And later we're going to see that. But the other thing I notice here is, see, it's small. What do you think? We think the prayer. I mean, the brazen altar for the sacrifices outside. Solomon made one thirty feet. That wasn't big enough. One big enough, you know, the altar for burning up the burnt offerings. But this one little two foot altar, it's not the size of the altar. See, it's not us praying for five and a half hours that God's going to hear us like we're something better, we're something great. It's not the size of the altar, it's the person that makes the prayer, it's the size of the heart. You see, we don't have to pray and pray, and, you, and then you, we all know you've been with people sometimes they. They pray. And remember, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, he told us not to pray like them. They think that they will be heard by their many vain repetition words by praying on and on. If we can turn into 45 minutes, God will hear me more. No, he won't. Not at all. It's not the size of the altar. It's not the size of the prayer. Remember, man went away justified, and all he said was, Lord, I'd be merciful to me, a sinner. That's about a pretty short prayer. Do you remember Nehemiah's prayer? Anybody remember Nehemiah's prayer? Bible trivia quiz. He stood in front of the king in Nehemiah chapter 1. King said, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Nehemiah goes, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, Lord, help. That's what he did. Just like that. He said, oh, Lord, help me. That was a fast prayer. Prayed internally. Why? He was put on the spot. Just like that. He prayed. Wasn't a whole, whole, hold on, king. I'll answer you in a minute. You know, of course, we have prayers like Daniel. We have some prayers that go quite a long distance. 
But either way, first chapter two, verse two, it's not the size of our prayer. It's how you pray and will receive. The fact that God wants you to come before him. And of course, you have to come clean and no more sins. But let's go on. Verse three. Now God gives us more command. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Now God could have just said, overlay it with gold. Would have been good enough, huh? No, God, because everything he does is perfect. It's got to be perfect. This gold's got to be refined, even more so. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof. God sees down, what does he see? The sides thereof. What do we see? We see gold, do we not? God, know what I see? I see faith. See, God wants us because what? The prayer of faith is what God accepts, does it not? Do you remember in Peter, with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. See, this, this, is, this chapter is going to be all symbolic. This is a physical item. We're going to see. I'll take it symbolism and just squeeze every drop out of this for you. Because it shows it. Because remember, it's always true. It's always true. Lo, in the Bible of the book is written of me. There's not one piece of that temple that doesn't say Jesus. There's not one sacrifice that doesn't say Jesus. That just... Everything says Jesus, and we're going to see that even with prayer is to Jesus. But see, at the trial of your faith, so we're seeing that this altar incense is now directly tied. The New Testament is tying the Old Testament right together. Right together. Gold and faith go together. And thou shalt overlay with pure gold the top thereof, the sides thereof, the roundabout, the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold. What the crown is just basically a wedge. So the horns, they're like coming out the side, and this is something because they got a burn on it. They're going to put incense on there, or coals and burn incense. So it's it's like a lip. This is this would be the crown, this little piece right here. If you can visualize that, like bric-a-brac molding going around it, so it doesn't haul off. But here's a small trivial fact. Do you know how they burn the incense? How is the incense lit? They use a coal. But what do they do? You know, get a bag of briquettes and start lighting them up. <coughs> you had to specifically get a coal off the altar to burn off. It took your sacrifice. Before you could even pray to God, you had to go through the burn off. You had to be accepted by God. You had to be faith. You know, the Bible even says that, that, that what is that? I'm mixing two verses. One is make his prayer a sin, but it's the, the, the prayer that's not of faith is a sin. When we don't have the faith, we don't come to God. But see, God wants us that way. So when he looks at us on all sides, when people see us, what do they see us praying? They see our faith. They hear our faith when they're listening to us. And that's what this altar is about. So when it's pure size, pure gold all the way around, that's what God wants to see. Let's go on. Verse 4. You know, verse 4, I kind of love this verse. And at first I got to thinking about it. And two golden rings shall thou make it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it, shall thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. Okay, what this verse is saying is right here and right here. Ring and a ring. Staves go through it on each side. Now the staves were only to be carried by Levites. Levites had to hook them up. Remember the story of uh, Uzzah, how he died with the ark and all that? Because they didn't carry the ark with the staves. Well, the same staves that carry the ark, you got to carry this too. No man should touch it. Only a Levite could hold it. But see, sometimes what, what I see from this one is, you know, sometimes we get along through life pretty good, but sometimes we need some help. Sometimes we really need some help. Sometimes we just need someone to come alongside us, pick us up, carry us. And some, you know, we know God does that to us. 
a lot of times we actually just we need some help in prayer turn to Ecclesiastes show you what I mean Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 4 now we're going to bounce the Bible a little bit here we'll flip some pages Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and you probably most of you know this verse Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 how about the kids couple two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe for him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be one? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. See that? This Christian life, how many times we go it wrong? I am so guilty of that. We don't come to someone with our problems. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. The Bible says bear you one another's burdens. But what do we do as fellowship? We go it alone. We're, we're the embers all by ourselves. We get cool. We don't get warm. We don't get close. We don't get the strength of prayer with our partners. Now, we're coming here tonight, of course, but I'm in mean, the day of life. And the way of life, most Christians are alone and isolated. The unity is, is hard to get. And that's what, when you had that behold how good and Pleasant is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a good thing. It's good for two people together. It's good for two to pray. Even the Lord, when he's sitting down, the Lord went by himself, and he always sit the other side two by two. See, the Lord, Lord, he's God. But see, we take that. Now, let's look at another. I'll, I'll give you a live time. You want a real live example of prayer in action? Turn, turn back to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus 17. And you may remember this story. Moses is sitting up, Moses is on top of the hill, sitting on a rock. Let's see, there's 17, and let's go verse 12, 10. And we'll, we'll pick it up in verse 8. So Exodus 17, 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephorim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when his hand got tired, when he laid down his hand, Amalek prevailed. You ever get tired, brain? You ever get tired in life? You ever just get tired of fighting? But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereupon. And Aaron and Hurd stayed up his hands. The same thing with these staves are doing. And the one on the other side, and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going of the sun. And Joshua just gone. Now see how prayer works? Sometimes you need help. Sometimes, man, it just, boy, get down, you just can't even think straight sometimes. Sometimes you're just tired. Sometimes you're physically drained. Sometimes the battle just beats you up. And you need somebody to come up there and say, hey, let me hold that. Let me hold your hands up. Let me help. Let me pray with you. And that's what these staves are about. You see these two rings? See, sometimes we need help. Woe to him that it's alone. It's not a good thing. It's, it is a woe. And so we see that by having godly people. Now, the, some of these men are leaders. Aaron's the priest, of course. Moses the leader. Her was best friend. But we just see, sometimes it's the leadership. You might need help with leadership. 
Sometimes we just need help with each other. And so that's what we see when I when I look at these two golden rings shall thou make in verse four. But we'll continue on. Let's go to verse five. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim oil. Oh, we'll Exodus thirty. Back on Exodus. But Exodus 30. And what now what we have here, and thou shalt make the staves of Shittimoid and old labor. The exact same thing as we just had go, making the whole temple. I mean, not, excuse me. The whole altar is now being applied to the two poles, the two staves that come through. But you know what? Not just still reflects to the, the, the staves are met. And God even says it there. You read it. It says to bear it. I'm meant to carry the load. Sometimes you just need help. We need help. We really do. Turn over to Mark chapter 2. You know this story. But again, it's just, again, emphasizing, showing you analogies through the scripture of how God wants us to help. Help people, help others, help ourselves. But always pray. Because he commanded men everywhere to lift up holy hands and pray. But in Mark chapter 2, Remember the story of the guys could, they couldn't find room to get into the house? And in Mark chapter 2, well, verse 1, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and there was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. You ever try to get to Jesus, and it just seemed like everything was in the way? You get up, you just, man, the boss, the work, the kids, the just, everything is in your way. You just can't get to Jesus. You just, life is just, mm. well, verse 3, and they came unto him, bringing one, hold and they brought one, and they came unto him, bringing one, sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Guess what? One, two, three, four. Isn't that amazing how that Bible works like that sometimes? See, you can't get to Sometimes we just have palm prints. Sometimes our prayer is hard. There's another verse when God said, Sometimes when God will make your heavens of brass. That was the curse in the Deuteronomy. When we're not doing right, you can't even burn no incense. Your incense stinks. That's why we sometimes we need help. We, we need to be not so prideful that we can admit, man, we need some help. So I need someone to help carry me for a minute. And that's what I see with these, just, just these simple rooms out of verse 5. Let's go on, verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. You know, sometimes before you come to come to the altar, before we can even get to that altar, you do have to pass the table of bread, bread of life. Jesus said, "Except you eat this flesh, drink this blood, you'll die in your sins." Remember, the people were like, "How oh, we got to eat his blood?" See, they didn't catch the spiritual application. They just see the eyes of man extend to the own world. All they think is earthly. They can't see past the, this temple, this altar here. They can't see it at all. But see, in order to get past the showbread. Then you got to go through the lights. Jesus said, I'm in the light of the world, as we saw. And then, got to hit a day of law. There's the veil. Boom. How do you get to the other side? How do you get your prayer to God? 
The veil is there. Nobody can get through it. Anybody go through it, they're a dead man. How do you get on the other side? Well, another than Jesus. He said he's going to meet us there, but you know the Bible, in fact, turn, turn to Hebrews. We're going to, this will break a lot of the spiritualized part. If you read, ever read Hebrews chapter 10, where he really breaks down the, the temple, and I do believe Hebrews are written by Paul. And the reason why, because if Paul wrote a letter saying the Apostle Paul wrote it to the Hebrews, to the Jews, <laughs> they'd probably burn it. They wouldn't read it. You know, Paul, how much Paul was loved, but he always wanted to write to his countrymen. He always had the love for his countrymen. Let me show you my pages. I was sticking together. Hebrews chapter uh, 10. Now let's pick it up in. Do, 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 do. Pick it up in verse 17, I guess. Hebrews 10, verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, whether remission of remission of these are, there is no more remissions of sin. But verse 19, having therefore, brethren, that's us, the believers, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I mean, we get to go through that veil now. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, that's how get across the veil. Jesus. Do you remember when during the crucifixion the Bible says the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. And if you knew that curtain, that, that curtain was thicker than the rug we have from everything I got. You know, it'd be like strong guys trying to rip the phone book. You're not ripping it. You're not tearing that. But it tore from the top. It came from heaven. It's like God looking down on the temple. And when you do look at the temple, have you ever seen that? If you ever looked down on the temple, there is the outline of the cross. It's amazing. Showbed, showbed, altar, mercy seat, right? Everything's behind you. He does that shape on. Only God could do these things. But see, Jesus was a veil. He took it away. He made a partition. Now the Bible says we can't enter into the Holy Holies. We come to that altar of incense. We don't have to put blood on it. We, we don't even have to burn the incense. Why? Because now we do. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. But see, this is nothing new. When, when, I, when I see this, you, you, you see this and how Jesus is going to do away with it. But um, in Malachi, get just show, a, a, like a prophecy to show you that all prayer was going to be in Jesus' name. That this 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 was going to be done away. That as we see, as Hebrews tells us, all these are types and shadows to be done away with. But God gives us glimpses in the scripture. He gives you little verses from here and there. But in Malachi chapter 1, and look at verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among who? The Jews? The Levites? The tribe of Dan? Judah? No. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. Look at this. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. Oh. Didn't he have to burn them down? Only the priest could burn incense down at the altar? But here we are in Malachi. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith Jesus. Now, now mine says Lord of hosts, but same thing. See, and, and you, we, we know the book of Malachi. Malachi is God reproving everybody. I mean, God said, I got to put up with sin. You don't love me no more. You guys don't talk to me. You give me, the, you give me leftover half-hearted. 
Malachi is God pleading with his people. And he just says, basically, at this point, let me show you what's going to happen here. One day, my name's going to be above the Gentile, and they're going to burn incense to my name. And you remember what John 14, 14 tells us? You have not because you ask not. But if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus fulfilled this very verse of Malachi that God always put in the Bible for us. See, in my name. See, now we don't go to the priest. We don't go to the inner man. And that's why, unfortunately, you see a lot of Catholicism. They actually, this is symbolic of what they're doing. It's very symbolic. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you. I'll make it even worse for you in a second. Because as God was going to do away with the altar and the prayer and the incense and the priest and all that, and he was eventually going to bring it to Jesus. And then what? All the kingdoms of this world belong to our Lord. And so we see that he was going to make that happen. He's going to make all prayer in Jesus' name. Old Testament. Been there all the time. Remember that saying in the Old Testament, the New Testament concealed? There you go. You just find these little spots as you see God's plan as he's going to move along. But it's always for us to pray. See, it's one thing to see all these altars, but it's also us to do it. Now, that's what we need to see. Think Jesus ever prayed? Of course he did. Which John was half the book of John is a prayer. Right? We go from 14, 15, 16, 17. Basically, all it's Jesus' prayer. It's one long, huge prayer. But in Mark 135, the Bible tells us that Jesus woke up early in the morning. I used to do that. I, I sure wish I'd get back to it. I mean, you know, the problem is I'm studying all this and I'm going like this. I'm rebuking myself. Because all these things I ain't doing altar prayer up early in the morning I'm not doing it now I pray all the time my mind is always in prayer always and I'm grateful that I do pray all the time but to actually sit down and do it in orderly structure fashion that God commands no I've kind of let it drift away but Jesus didn't there's so many psalms on prayer so many psalms the psalm over psalm 140 in fact 141 that's kind of what got me in here remember our men's trip kind of went through 141 but it says, in the morning and evening, I will pray. I will lift up my hands. Pray. I will lift up my hands. See, that's not to our charismatics, brothers. That's to us. That's Bible. You don't have to be a charismatic to lift your hands and pray. Oh, no, 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 no. But you know, you know how the, they meant to pray when they do that? You don't pray like, oh, Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. You pray like this. Lord, I'm sorry. That's. Uh, worship's always on your knees. Worship is always bowed. The actual the term worship means to bow. It's down, not up. You put yourself down. What did every person you ever see, the godly person that came across an image of Jesus or a revelation, what's the first thing they do? Hit the deck. Boom! Right on the ground. Not us. Well, see, we stand there in our arrogancy. We don't humiliate ourselves or humble ourselves in front of God. The psalmist did. So I lift up my hands. Praise unto you. Let's keep going on. How much time we got? A few more. Back to Exodus. See, we see that we're just going to continue to pray. We're to put the veil before the ark. But let's go on to verse 7. We'll keep going. And Aaron, you can, I can, I can just assume to say Matt. I can just say John. I can say Pastor. And when Aaron lighted up the lamp, said even, how's your Bible reading going? You read your Bible at night? That's what he's talking about right here. Straight up and simple. You think I'm kidding? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light unto my path. There you go. Word of God is directly tied to the light. Jesus said, I am the word of God. I am the light of the world. Any difference? No. How's your Bible read? You read your Bible at night? And Aaron lighted the verse 8. When Aaron lighted the lamps at even, he shall. You see something? That's not a question, guys. God commands us to read. God commands us. And he shall burn incense upon it. Do you read and pray? You ever pray and read? Again, it's not a requirement. Oh, oh, oh no. No, 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 no. But do you? See, that's what, he, that's what he's showing us. That when Aaron lighted the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. It is perpetual incense before the Lord throughout all your generations. In other words, this is nothing new. See, we see this. This continues all the way on until finally in Revelation. You know, we'll get over to Revelation 5 with the last time we see prayer mentioned in the Bible. Now, there, there's still more prayers going, but that's just where it's mentioned. But see, in verse 8, when Aaron lighted the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. See, verse 7 tells us he's to burn sweet incense every morning. How do you wake up in the morning? You know, sometimes I, oh, I, just, I had it the other day. Open my eyes. Ah, some evil thought in my head. <laughs> I wish I would go back to bed. But you know what? And I'm, I don't mean I'm special or great. Maybe it's just the Lord's mercies. But literally, most mornings I wake up, I'm thinking about the Lord. First time you die, I thank you, Lord. Something with my head feeling good. Now, sometimes, ah! You know, it's one of those that, where they, they except they um, devise mischief on their bed, they can't sleep. Now, ah! I hate that when it happens. But see, we need to burn incense, sweet incense, every. And that's what he brought back on verse 7. Shall burn down incense every. <coughs> not when you feel like it. Not when it's convenient. Not when you want to. Not when, you, you know, I don't feel so hot. I'll, I'll get around to it later. No. It says, you shall. Jesus did it. Psalmist did it. Morning and evening, I will lift up my hands to you. Verse 8, we see, now you start your day with prayer, you end it with prayer and reading the word. That word of it in my heart. What you hiding in there? You know, being about that sometimes when you put the word in the heart, it drives out some of those evil, murder, fornication, blasphemies, you know, all that stuff that comes out your heart. When you put the word in, all of a sudden, those, you're not thinking blasphemies. You're not thinking killing people. And I just do that. If that's there's some of that, though, fool in my life, I mean, lots of actually violent harm is then kind of pleasant thing about it. But you know what? I rebuke myself, catch myself and say, no, Jesus told me I'm to pray for those that use me. I'm to pray for those people. And so that's what I do. But you know, the flesh is still ugh, the flesh. And speaking of the flesh, watch this. We'll just slide off to verse nine here. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon. That's pretty easy. No strange incense. God don't take anybody's prayer. Remember, two men went to the temple to pray. One went justified. The other prayed with himself. That was God's comment. God said the man's praying by himself in the temple. The other guy just said, have mercy on me. And there's so many prayers in the Bible. I mean, I've, I've read so many. There's so many I wanted to look at. But right now, I just want to show you the option that you think it's okay to pray and just, you know, get around with the man upstairs. He's your friend. You know, me and the man, we're cool. No, no, that language got no room in the Christian's life. Absolutely not. That's the God that made heaven and earth and creation. That's the God that's going to judge us. That's the God that gave us our breath, our being, and our life. He ain't the man upstairs. He's the God that made heaven and earth, and his son, his name is Jesus. Now, 
in verse 9, ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice. No burnt sacrifice. Well, I thought burnt sacrifice was good. You couldn't even approach God unless you sacrificed yourself, right? Thousands of burnt offerings. But see, we can't do it our way. There is an order. See, in order to pray, you don't you don't mix them. They just you just don't go to pray and you know, I don't have a music festival or something. Right? Prayer is prayer, just like what we're doing here. Prayer is a distinct, separate time dedicated to prayer. You don't burn offerings. It's not Bible reading time. It's not time to share gossip or meat offering. Meat offering is fellowship. That's closeness. It's time to pray. Neither shall you pour drink offering on it. You know, sometimes people just got the strangest ways. So, you know, like sometimes a formality to pray in Jesus' name. Is that a legal requirement for God to hear you? Jesus does say in my name if you ask in my name. So that's where it comes from. But not. We see people that pray and never finish with God's name. No, he's not going to hear you by a specific pattern. Like when, he, when he's teaching us that they many of Many people think they'll be hurt by their vain reputation. I can quote it myself. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord of the feet, blessed are the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I mean, over and over. That's not praying. And that's why God says, don't bring strange fire. And if you think God is kidding, yeah, let's look at a couple of stories. I'll give you a couple. Let's go to uh, Numbers. Number 16. Remember Korah? Everybody remember Korah and company? We'll see what he did when he tried to pray. He tried to challenge the leadership. Go take a shortcut around. Well, uh, number 16. Go ahead. Get one more page. And I'm going to bounce just a little bit on the story, but in, in, in number 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Canaan, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abraham, and sons of Elab, and On, and sons of Elab. A lot of family line. But anyway, I'll just start now. Korah, the son of Ezra, at the very end, took men. So here's Korah getting a bunch of guys together. And what what they going to do? Verse 2, And they rose up before Moses with certain other children of Israel, 250 princes. Okay, so here's Korah. He's got 250 guys and he rose up. In other words, he's challenging Moses. He wants the, the top dog spot. In verse 3, they gathered themselves to Moses, gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much. They think, Who died and made you, boss? Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. Oh, now they want to go Bible with Moses. Well, Moses was up there for 40 days talking to God. Korah's never talked to God. But he nevertheless happens in our church too. People want to challenge the leadership. You take too much upon you. Seeing all the congregation, holy, hey, I can do that too. Right? That's what that's what the Korah was saying. And the Lord is among them. Okay, verse 4. And when Moses heard it, boy, was he. You know what it says? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, like I say, that's our response supposed to be. Down, not up. And Moses fell on his face. Right? And Moses heard he fell upon his face. And he spake to Korah, verse 5, and all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show you who are his and who's holy and will cause him to come near. Okay, verse 6. Tell you what, Moses said, Tell you what, Korah, this is what you do. Take your censer, you and everybody, 
Remember the story with Elijah and the prophets? <laughs> and put fire there in verse 7. Put fire there in and put incense in them. And the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord hath chosen, he shall be holy. And Moses warns him, you're taking too much on yourself. You tell me I'm taking too much, you are, not me. Verse 8, now Moses said unto Korah, here I pray you sons of Levi, seems it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? Hey, God gave them positions of leadership. They want more. Okay, to do service in the tank, to stand for the congregation. God, he's a, he's a, you're worshiping the Lord. You, you, have a, you have a position. You have a ministry. What's wrong with you, Korah? But in verse 10, and they brought their, their unto him, their brother and the sons of Levi. Let me speed it up a little bit. Verse 12, and Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the son of the Eleb, and said unto them, we will not come up. Now Moses said, hey, come here, guys, we can talk about this. We're not listening to you. Now they're not even responding to leadership. And, and, and they want to be the boss? Verse 15, Moses was very wroth. Now Moses is mad. And said unto the Lord, respect not their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Have you ever prayed like that? And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all the company before the Lord, thou, they, and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer, verse 17, and put incense in them. And bring ye before the Lord every man his censer. 250 censers, thou also Aaron, each of his censer. So verse 18, they took all, they put all their fire. Verse 19, Korah gathered all the congregation on the door of the tabernacle. Okay, he showed up. Well, we're going to find out. God answered by fire. We'll see. So the Lord, verse 20, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from amongst this congregation, and I may consume them. Now Moses said, People, you better get away from them. Lightning's about to strike. Verse 22, and they fell upon their faces and said, O Lord God, of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be robbed of the congregation? Because what happened here is God popped up in verse 20 and said, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Separate, get them out. I'll wipe them all out. God furious. God is furious. Why? Because someone else is coming off. One child in Moses and two trying to offer a strange prayer before the Lord. So God said they're going to wipe him out. But Moses fell on his face and said to wipe. Again, Moses prayed for his people. Moses prayed for the people. Verse 24. Speak unto the congregation saying, get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah. They remember him. Now, do you say ungodly influence won't influence your life? You say having some run Christians, you know, yeah, they're a little, I don't know, you want them to do them. Have, have no fellowship with unfruitful work of darkness. But in verse 26, he told them to, to depart, I pray you. Depart from the tents of these wicked men. Oh, now they're wicked men. And so they get up, verse Tabernacle, Korah, and Datham. Now, this is the sad part. Look at verse 27. This is so sad. This is the consequences. Oh, you think you can pray and not, not, not pay a price? You think you can come to God's terms your way? You think that you and the man are tight? Oh, no, 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 no. Verse 27, So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents. Now picture this. They opened in their front door. Then Moses, tabernacle, and they were all the congregation. Millions of people are all standing out there. And they're all looking at them. And they opened the door of their tents and their wives, their wives with them too, and their sons and their little children. 
No man sins to himself. Verse 28, and Moses said, hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me. These guys die of a normal death. They have a heart attack. God didn't send them. But verse 30, if God makes a new thing happen and the earth opens up and swallow them, and all that appointed them, they go down straight to the pit, then they'll understand that they have provoked the Lord. Oh, well, didn't they come to Moses and said, Moses is doing too much? Well, see, Moses said, get your senses. Let's pray about it. Let's see who answers the prayer. And that's what this is about. See, that's why the censors, when you keep reading these censors, see, this is the spiritual. We're seeing, okay, let's pray. Let's see who answers the prayer. Verse 31. Now, here's the answer to the prayer. And it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder and was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that pertained unto Korah, and all their goods. The wives, sons, the little children. You think prayer isn't important? They and all that pertained to them went down alive into the pit. All those people are in hell today because they had the wrong prayer. That's how serious God is with prayer. Give me another analogy. Want one, another one? Let's go to Leviticus 10. Remember Aaron's sons? See, sometimes these are the laymen. These were the lay people in the church, mind you. These are, these are people with positions of authority within you know, the congregation. Leviticus 10. Now, now, even when family try to get you to pray wrong, Nadab and the Bayou, two sons. They thought, well, and they're the priest, mind you. They were Christians. They used to know better. What are they doing doing wrong? Verse 1. And Nadab and the Bayou, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them. Now, sometimes we got prayer. You know, the Bible says we don't pray to the you know, to use it upon our lust. We should always be praying for the other people. Because remember, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, one day at a time. When you don't get on extra too much, you don't extra long. But see, what happened here was even family members, even people that are close to the Lord, sometimes their prayer, you know, you got to watch out. Because if they're not saved, they're not going to be praying right. And a lot of times they'll just lead you astray slowly by slowly. Verse by verse, sentence by sentence. Next thing you know, you don't know how you got over. How did you end up offering strange fire that God didn't command? Well, neither the story that happened to this was a, they died too. Right? So we see, you know, lay people. Now, do you think God doesn't hold leadership accountable? Give you another example. Turn to Second Chronicles. And again, this is all related to prayer. This is, we're, we're still discussing the altar. The altar of incense. But turn to Second Chronicles. Uh, 26. Remember King Uzzah? Or Uzziah? Uzziah. Good king. Good man. Good king. Until. See, the, the other was 16 years old when he was made king in verse 1. Verse 3, he was 16 years old. He reigned for 50 years. Verse 6, he went forth and warred against the Philistines. So he, he was fighting the Lord's battles. He was a very good king. Verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding and visions. I mean, he's seeking the Lord. He's walking upright. He's doing the Lord's battles. Verse 7, and God helped him. 
God helped him. This man was a godly man. He was doing well. Verse 9, moreover, he doesn't build towers in Jerusalem. I mean, he cares about Jerusalem. He cares about the saints. And we'll finish with this one. But later, verse 16, things change. We have to guard our hearts, men. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Isaiah the priest went in after him and went with him fourscore priests of the Lord valiant men. And they witnessed and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It pertaineth not unto Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord. You know, I think in the Timothy, they that sinned, rebuked before all. See, he sinned, he's getting rebuked. He's a leader. He's a leader, he's sinning, but he's still getting rebuked. Watch this. That only Aaron had consecrated the burning priest. Verse 19. Then Uzzah was wroth. The proof of wise man who becomes a wise. Uzzah wasn't listening. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. I don't care what the pastor says. I don't care about the Bible. I'm going to worship God. And then Uzzah, verse 19 was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, why is he mad at him? The priest is doing the right thing. Who's doing wrong here? The leprosy even rose up in his, oh, his forehead. Uh-oh. God gets you what you're thinking. Before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar, in, beside the incense altar, others don't belong in the temple. Uzziah doesn't belong in Uzziah didn't belong by an incense. It wasn't a place. He was the king. He had a position. But see, all these people wanted a little more. They just wanted a little more power. Just a little more position. Just a little more. But see, you don't need that. You don't want that. When you pray, you need to come God's way. Because even then, even when you don't, even your prayer can become sin. Now, I'm going to close. You know, a lot of us, a lot of ways of how to pray. You know, the most number one way to pray is don't pray for yourself. Don't pray for yourself. Pray for the needs of others. Pray for everything but. And you can read the prayer of Daniel. I loved it. I was reading the prayer of Daniel. I was reading it, reading it. And Daniel, all the time he's saying, the sin, sin, we sin, we sin, we sin. Only one time he said, I sin. When he came to personal. He's praying. Even though it's, he's talking about himself, he's praying for his people. He's praying for the church. We sin, we sin. It's always a we. It's always a competitiveness. But even here, with a priest, and aren't you glad we don't have to have a priest? Imagine if you had to go to a priest, you know, get a placard card and, and write down your prayers and hope he reads them. You know, like they do, what do they do in a confessional booth? You're supposed to go tell them and hope he doesn't fall asleep. Remember, then how is God going to hear your prayer if someone else has got to pray? But we know that Jesus took away the veil. Right where we are, we can pray. We can pray always. And the Bible says, holy men and lift up hands, praying they would. See, for me, prayer, and everyone has a way here. You want to pray for two and a half hours on your knees on Thursday? Perfect. Do it. Seven days a week then. Organized prayer is a good thing. But also, it's the attitude of prayer. I mean, do you, are you praying all the time? All through the work day. All during the day. Is that prayer becomes so second nature to you that you think it? And I wouldn't say I think every minute, but I doubt there's an hour of my day that I'm not thinking something praying. I'm not asking God for something. Just constantly asking the Lord for something. I see somebody, Lord, please save them. Lord, please save them. 
I see you in an accident. Lord, please have mercy on me. I read the paper about people dying all the time. I pray for that family. My Lord, I don't know how you can bring glory to it, but please bring glory to this family. Just pray all the time. And that's what the Bible means when it says pray without ceasing. See, I always kind of thought, man, oh, man, what eight hours of prayer. No, pray without ceasing just because it's a way of your life. It's a way we come to God and worship. Because if we want to come before that altar, we come to prayer. And that's what we need to do tonight. And there's a lot of list here. Um, every time I read this, I, I sort of want to cry. I, I mean, especially I read these chronic illnesses. I mean, it, I know every one of us were there. I mean, if you weren't on this list, you're going to be on. It's just a matter of time. So we will break off and go pray. And we'll stop and pray. And I just hope this blueprint prayer will help you just a little bit to think how serious God takes prayer. I mean, we just rub it off old prayer. You know? I know, and I'm guilty of that too because we hear it so much that we forget the power. We forget that God took chapters of this Bible with explicit detail from the ring to the crown to the 18 inches to precise precision because he wanted us to pray in Jesus' name because whatsoever we ask, he'll do for us. That's a beautiful verse. Now, the problem is we ask, well, I'm going to ask him for a million dollars. Really? What for? So that you can consume it on your lust? Or so you have a goal for it? You got to go for pray for a million bucks. Nothing wrong with that. Not, not all if that's what you would put on your heart. I'm going to tell you, it ain't all, you know, having a million bucks ain't what it's cracked up to be. Well, that was close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you show us your blueprint for prayer, Father, and how serious you want us to talk to you, Lord. You desire us to fellowship with you. And Father, for this we praise you. We thank you. And we do ask that you hear our prayers this evening, Lord. If you pray for this, Lord, you see this list, Lord, as in Hezekiah. You see everything here and the hurts and the many needs, Father. And we just would ask that you meet with us this night, Lord, as you said you would. And that you would hear us and answer us speedily, Father, in Jesus' name.